Hi friends, and welcome to the Live Life Well podcast. Our mission is to empower millennials to thrive and not just survive, so that they can live a life full of purpose, joy, and delight. My name is Amy, and I'll be sharing the life-giving practices and lessons that I've learned on this journey of failing forward. We'll be talking about how to balance your career, business, and passions while maintaining your physical and mental and spiritual health. I'm dedicated to sharing from a place of authenticity, and I'm going to give you VIP access to my conversations with wise mentors and guests. My hope is that by the end of each of these episodes, you'll have something you can apply to your life so that you can live it well. I hope this also just feels like we are sitting across from each other in a cafe over a nice cup of coffee or your chosen beverage and having a chat like old friends. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. Hi everyone and welcome back to Live Life Well, the podcast. We are in episode 17, and before we get into this episode, I am actually recording this on the 8th of November, and there are 47 days until Christmas and 54 days until the end of this year, which has obviously been a challenging year for so many people out there, and I just wanted to bring to your attention some resources that I'm putting out there as part of an extension of this podcast. So if you follow me on social media at all, you would know that last week I shared um, just some thoughts around how we don't have to actually wait until the end of a year to reflect on the lessons that we've learned. And so you can have a look at the link that I will share in the podcast notes, but I have put together a free resource around some reflection questions that you can take right now. Um, like I said, there's only 54 days until the end of the year, but you don't have to wait to make some changes and to reflect on the things that you've learned or the things that have been challenging in 2020. And if after you've done that reflection, you would like to talk to me further about any of that or to work out some strategies to move forward in your own health and wellness journey, then please get in contact with me. I have some new coaching um, and mentoring offerings, I guess you could say. I'm not sure how to phrase that yet, but essentially some opportunities that you can engage with me further um, if you wanted to take some of the things that we've talked about on the podcast around wellness and not burning out and burning bright instead. And yeah, it'd be really good to chat with you as well. So I'll put a link there around coaching and mentoring. But without going too much into that, this episode is reaching back into our social justice stream, which we introduced around the time um, where the Black Lives Matters um, movement started or kind of really hit the media waves this year. And it was really to provide our audience with some tools to think about something broader than just their own journey. Because if there's anything that I've learned, I think, in the last probably 12 months, I would say, is that our journey is one that affects other people. And the things that we do 
and how we respond to different situations actually affects not just our lives, but the lives of others as well. And so my philosophy, I guess, around living well, living life well, is to live it in a way that is going to bring um, justice into the lives of those around us. And it also brings purpose, I think, to what we do with our money, how we spend our time, how we live our lives. Um, it all, you know, comes back down, I think, to being a person of integrity, I think, in our words and in how we actually want to be a better citizen, I guess, of this earth as well. So that's really part of the reason why we have included this as part of our podcast series. And today I get an opportunity to share with you one of the producers or makers um, from the For Dignity family. So again, kind of just by background, if this is the first time you've joined us, not only do I work as a lawyer four days a week, but I also do some content creation work for a social enterprise called For Dignity. And the products that they sell go towards, um, or 50% of the profits, I should say, that they make from the sales of their products go to support organizations that are in the anti-human trafficking movement, bringing light and hope and practical help to women who have been rescued from a life of slavery that still happens today in the 21st century. So I won't go too much into the producer that we have today on the podcast waves because um, you'll find out about it on uh, this interview. Um, I will just say that they have been such an impressive organization to follow and to see the work that they're doing um, in their sphere of influence. And I would encourage you that if you want to find out more about them, you can actually go to the For Dignity website and look at their products. Um, and we will probably see you in the next episode because I'm going to end it here <laughs> in terms of the introduction. Um, and of course, as always, if you've enjoyed the podcast, you can always buy us a coffee. There will be a link in the show notes um, to financially support this podcast so that we can take it to the next level in the new year. And then you can also join our online platforms on Instagram or on Facebook as well. So without further ado, enjoy this interview that we had with Eden. Welcome everyone to A Voice for Dignity, the opportunity to shine a light on stories of courage, resilience and impact for dignity. Today we have Michelle Kerr as the Eden Australian founder and country manager. Eden is an organisation that works in Asia's red light district, including a team working in Myanmar. They are a not-for-profit organisation with a big heart to see those caught in sexual slavery set free and their jewellery-making enterprise is an integral part of their programs. The greater the demand for their products, the more rescued women they can offer a stable job in a caring environment. Eden provides a range of programs to accomplish their goals of reach, rescue and restore. They continually reach out to the women and men in the red light districts 
and connect with those who are being trafficked and exploited to build trust and friendships and partnered with this and their valuable prevention education programs focusing on the rural youth who are at risk of trafficking. They are a voice for the voiceless and have an advocacy role in the countries that they work in and beyond. So welcome, Michelle, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Amy, and um, for Dignity, for having uh, myself on behalf of Eden with you. It's such a great honour. Fantastic. Um, we are going to launch into asking you a few questions about right. Eden. But the first thing I really wanted to ask you is what is your favourite product from Eden and why? Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a tricky question to ask because all of our jewellery pieces have been handmade by human trafficking survivors and carry a really courageous story of, um, of breakthrough and overcoming and hope and, and these sorts of amazing things. But, but I must tell you that my favourite jewellery piece is absolutely our committed necklace, which I'm wearing here today. Beautiful. Um, yes. And it's, uh, I'll tell you. Oh, why. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So actually when, um, when we sell the committed necklace, you're actually purchasing two committed necklace, uh, two necklaces, the inside here, um, inside part actually yep. gets taken out uh, by our outreach teams into the red light districts and put around the necks of um, women and girls that are still trapped and it's how we go about starting to build a relationship and a trust and a friendship between Eden and these women and girls that are currently still victims they haven't yet been set free they haven't yet right. found um, an opportunity to get out and maybe don't even know that there's hope or don't even know that anyone even knows where they are. And so we use this jewellery piece as an incredibly powerful message. It's a movement for us um, as, I guess, a consumer to wear it and to tell people um, why you're wearing it and what the story behind it is. And then it's also a tool for us in our outreach as we go into the red light districts and the trafficking hubs to the vulnerable communities and tell people that there is hope. And as we put this necklace, the inner heart necklace around um, these girls' necks, we can tell them that there's someone on the other side of the world in another city somewhere that's standing up for their freedom, that's speaking up against the issue of human trafficking mm -hmm. and is contributing, who is taking proactive steps to be a part of the solution. And in this Eden equation, what that looks like, part of the solution is starting to help build that friendship with that girl and that trust and that would then ideally lead to her coming into a place of freedom and restoration. It's pretty powerful. That piece. is powerful. my favourite. Yes, that is a very powerful story. So hands down, whilst we have so many beautiful pieces, that one just carries such a special connection to know that there's a woman somewhere on the other side of the world wearing in her heart is, is phenomenal. So yeah. it's pretty amazing. Oh, That's my favourite. <laughs> I can understand why it's your favourite. Oh, my goodness. Um, so... Tell me a little bit about how you got involved with Eden. Like you're obviously based here in Australia. Um, and then how, how did that story come about? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, back in 2007, my husband and I lived in Asia for a short while and um, made some great, um, amazing friendships when we were there. Um, some of those friends who we still keep really close contact with. And one of those came out to spend um, Christmas with us in 2015. And, and he brought um, our family gifts. And the gift that I got was an Eden necklace. So this is Christmas 2015. Okay. And, and I read the back of the packaging and all the jewellery items carry these stories of 
who made and why and all the story of courage or where the design was inspired from. Um, and I got reading that, you know, sort of in the craziness of the Christmas season. And at the time I had two very young children. My son is just 12 months old and my daughter is two. And so, but in the craziness of the Christmas season, I just couldn't stop thinking and reading and researching about Eden, the issue of human trafficking. I read things like fastest growing criminal industry in the world. I read things like 40.3 million victims of modern day slavery. And this just kept throwing around in my mind and it just, it just, I, it was bubbling up something crazy and I didn't really know what to do with it, but I knew, um, I knew I had to do something. My, my background was marketing and business. And um, as I was on maternity leave at the time, I could do a bit more research and I thought I'm going to, I'm going to put up my hand. And I went to this conference at some stage that um, in, in March, 2016, and it was just this real encouragement to step out of your comfort zone and, and, um, and, you know, be a force for good. <laughs> um, and so that was, that was my cue to contact Eden and say, Hey, I'm in Australia. Um, can I help? What can I do from here? And they said, well, you can import some jewellery. And this took a little bit longer than this conversation, but you can import some jewellery and we can start Eden in Australia. And so now that's that's four and a half approaching five years later that um, that I guess we that was the start of Eden in Australia. I got a big import of jewellery. Um, it meant that my son and his nursery got moved out of his nursery and that became the story storage room. Yeah. Um, the things and the progression that we've made in that time has been phenomenal. And the amount of people within Australia, we've been able to have a conversation um, around raising awareness of the issue of human trafficking and, mm -hmm. and really shining a light on this incredible injustice that us here in um, this part of the world in Australia, we just generally have very little knowledge of the realities of human trafficking and how big a issue it is. And actually the other thing is that we don't get, yes, it's massive, but our decisions and our purchases can make a difference. And that's the powerful bit about what we do. It's not just about sharing this story of, um, it's a really big, massive, fast, incredibly complex issue that mm. is so big we should be paralyzed and we can't do anything about it. Yep. Actually, can and you know it's partnerships like the one that Eden has with For Dignity and it's the purchases of these items of jewellery that actually can have incredible impact and and so that's kind of what we've done for now coming up five years in Australia we're now a registered not-for-profit here and we are the official um, arm of Eden down here in Australia it's pretty amazing that is yeah it's so amazing that it was just this one piece of jewellery that just took yeah. you on this journey and here it is now and i have definitely looked at you know your website and and your instagram and there's definitely a huge um focus i guess on the stories of restoration i think that we yeah. see uh, that comes out from these purchases and you're right like you know the um we actually have more power than we think um, yeah. to to play a part in this fantastic and so when you um because obviously there's the um, employment side of things that women who have been trafficked or maybe are at risk of traf being trafficked uh, make the jewellery. Um, yeah. There are also other programs that Eden yeah. as, as an organisation runs. Um, could you tell us absolutely. a little bit about that as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think, you know, the important thing to note is that um, 
even sort of starts at our core about getting um, a message of hope into those trafficking hubs and red light districts and and the the opportunity to bring those women out of that environment out of that environment of captivity and abuse and into safe shelter first and foremost you know let's bring them out let's give them safe shelter and then we move into a, a stage of um, trauma-informed care and um, and that involves things like art therapy and dance therapy and then vocational training um, employment into the jewelry business absolutely um, what it looks like i guess from day to day is that um, the women and the girls within the program are all uh, paid a full-time wage and they're um, safely housed and cared for. Um, they're paid a full-time wage. They work um, half a day, four and a half, four hours. Um, and then the other, you know, the other sort of side of the day, they're either doing um, dance classes or um, art classes. Some of them are doing, you know, language classes if you've expressed interest in learning another language. One of, the, one of the first things that um, that we do with the girls when they come, um, I guess, within into the Eden program, um, really early on in their, in their time with us, we we ask them to paint a, a picture on a canvas. We give them a, a white blank canvas and they get black paint and it's, it's a dream wall that we build. And so all of the girls kind of start their time with Eden dreaming. And many of them have never been asked to dream. They were trafficked and tricked young. So we start them on this journey of actually, you can dream now, you're in a free place, let's dream together. And they might paint that they want to um, be reunited with their family, or they might paint that they want to become a beautician, or they might paint that they want to um, be a businesswoman. And so all these beautiful canvases actually uh, line the wall, one of the walls in, in actually multiple sites. Um, and that's kind of the, the start of that then um, process of, you know, um, healing and working towards that dream. And we really want to work with the girls on achieving that dream for their life, which is pretty amazing. So if they've, for example, painted that they want to become a photographer, um, then we really try and journey with those girls and provide them the correct, you know, vocational training, um, what have you, to sort of help that dream become a reality. Fantastic. Oh, so in, <laughs> I'm so inspired. Like, and I really want to, and I hope that people who listen to this interview as well will then, you know, go and go down their own journey to find out more about what Eden's about as well. So um, when it comes to um, this current season that we're in, so we're recording this in, in September um, and um, I'm not sure what the situation is like in Myanmar, but obviously with the COVID um, 19 situation what how is um that upheaval or challenges like how has eden had to deal with those things yeah yeah wow so you know i was in myanmar in um very late february and early march we came back home and um and that was just sort of at the very beginning of uh covid sort of shutting down the world effectively, yes. right? Yep. Um, and so we, um, at that time, the first thing that sort of started to happen was lockdown came mm. upon um, Myanmar. I'll speak specifically about Myanmar. Um, so lockdown um, came upon us. So that meant that the girls that were living in safe shelter that would then come um, to the offices and do either jewellery making or dance therapy and these creative therapies were no longer, actually they were in lockdown as well. Mm. So that had a huge impact on, you know, you've got all these amazing women that all have um, PTSD to, to some extent being forced to kind of be in a lockdown situation. And this really 
spikes, um, panic attacks. It's, you know, we saw um, self-harm. We saw these, um, these things that we didn't, yes, we saw them um, previously as the girls went through the process of healing, but this really spiked. And, um, and that was, that in itself was something that we then turned our program staff were absolutely phenomenal and really just went in there and worked with the girls in a time that was just completely different to what they were used to. And, you know, this idea of having, as these girls are in this PTSD um, place, having clear routine, knowing that today we get up, we go to the office, we work for this, and then we do dance, you know, is really helpful. Um, and that wasn't the case. So, you know, in and of itself, the living arrangements and the care had its challenging, had its challenges, but our program staff were just um, amazing in just kind of, so we changed it up. So we had to do things differently, but we still did as much as we could. We did art therapy on the roof of the, you know, of the safe house. Um, yeah. We did, um, you know, we did dance. And so we just kind of had to work with the situation. It did mean that jewelry production halted for Eden, which obviously is of concern um, for multiple reasons. One, we couldn't really get raw materials. Two, we mm. couldn't go to the jewelry um, making facilities. And, and obviously that's an issue because, for us here in Australia, a big part of the way that we fund mm. what we do is through jewellery sales. So that had an impact as well. Yeah. Um, the other really interesting thing, and I don't want to say that Eden pivoted, um, but I want to say Eden expanded because what Eden felt and our leadership felt is that we saw um, a, a nation which had little um, resource to come up against COVID. Mm. So Eden partnered with a local NGO um, called New Hope and we proactively went out into these um, vulnerable communities mm. and we educated them on coronavirus. Mm. And we made um, ourselves, we made 16,000 litres of um, soap. We went in and, and reached out to 40,000 homes, um, each with about five people in them to make them aware of corona. We gave them um, the soap, we taught them about uh, hygiene and the importance of uh, washing their hands. And also um, we started uh, sewing masks. Yeah. Um, and, and that's something that we could do with the, the women. Um, it was a great thing to kind of keep them entertained, to build into them a new sustainable skill. Mm. And we made masks. And we made, initially our target was to make uh, 36,000 masks. And could take those masks into these um, into these vulnerable communities as well. And so we really kind of, I guess, expanded our outreach, not only to go into those red light districts at this time, but also to go into these really vulnerable, poor, poor communities and try to raise awareness. Um, you know, as I said, I was there with a beautiful team of volunteers from Australia. We left, I think, on the 2nd of March. And we've just been in these vulnerable communities. And, you know, we talk about social distancing here in, well, I'm based in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, this idea that social distancing is actually a privilege that we have. Mm -hmm. Because these individuals living in these poor communities, you ask them to social distance, it's not an option. You know, they live in these communities and these thatched roofs and, they, you know, the living conditions just don't permit them. In Australia also, we have savings, right? So if we... Yes, people have been impacted by income and all the rest of it, but we can get government support mm. and we have some savings and we still will be able to feed our family, mostly tonight. Right? Mm. Um, these individuals that go to work in Myanmar from that vulnerable community, go to the factory, work for the day, get their money, buy their rice on the way home, feed their family that night. Yeah. So if that factory is closed, 
there is no there is no ability for them to you know buy the food on the way home that night and so also eden and new hope in partnership um sought to take food um nutritious food um out again into these forty thousand households uh sorry it's not households uh families um you know these vulnerable families and um and really feed them as well at a time where there is absolutely no money for them um, to buy their family food for that day. And the reason, and then I'll wrap this up, I'm sorry, but the reason yeah, that okay. is so important is because in Australia, we are fortunate enough, as I said earlier, to have support from the government or have some form of savings or have something in our pantry and never will I know a desperation that thinks I just can't feed the nine people living under my roof. One of my options is to take advantage of uh, the guy that's just swooped in, the, the, the criminal syndicates that have swooped into this um, vulnerable community and gone, I know you're desperate, how about you just give me your daughter, I'll give you some money, I'll put 200 down on the table or whatever it is, and then you'll be able to feed. That's more money than they've ever seen. So the risk of human trafficking at a time of crisis and at a time of pandemic increases exponentially. And you know, that's that's written up, I've got an article by my side here by the UNOCD, ODC, um, that's a fact. So in these times of crisis, people are taken to new levels of desperation. Yeah. And so that was also the aim of Eden and New Hope getting into those communities in that we would be able to give them food and help them through this time. So that level of desperation didn't reach a point where consideration of selling uh, a family member actually um, played out. I think it's so easy to feel so incredibly powerless um, when it comes to such a massive issue. We talk about 40.3 million uh, victims of modern-day slave in the world today. Um, but the impact that we can have as individuals making informed, smart decisions about our purchases, whether they're gifts or whether they're treats for ourselves that are ethically made, that are sustainable, and that also allow us to have a voice and be wearing a necklace that says speak up or wearing the restoring justice mm. piece. And then having the opportunity to share with um, the individual that's making your coffee at the local cafe or the school mum at school when we're allowed back to school yeah. Um, yeah. and tell them, like, why are you wearing this and what is it? Because that is creating change. That is creating a swell um, of awareness around the issue of human trafficking. And it does make a difference and it will make a difference. And just by these small things... Um, they actually can have a really big ripple effect. And we've got to hold on to that and we can't be disheartened by the enormity. But yeah, we can make a difference and we can make a change by, you know, um, partnering with organisations such as For Dignity. Thank you so much, Michelle. I think that's a great place to end. So again, appreciate your time and we can't wait to share this with our audience.